The topic I'd like to address uh, today is uh, international legal regime of fisheries. Uh, um, I like to divide my uh, lecture into five parts. I will briefly overview uh, current state of fish stocks around the world, and then I will explain how international legal regime of fisheries have evolved, and then I will uh, deal with uh, uh, exclusive economic zone fishery regime and the fishery regime of high sea and then I will conclude uh, my lecture with some thoughts. Uh, first, uh, overview of uh, fish stocks. According to uh, Food and Agriculture Organization, United Nations Specialized Agency, uh, the fish stocks of the world has been in decline. If I uh, quote uh, some statistic submitted by FAO, uh, for example, global production of marine capture fisheries uh, in 1960 was about 20 million tons. In 1996, uh, it reached about 86.3 million tons. It more or less uh, peaked. Uh, in 1996. And then uh, the global uh, catch, marine catcher fisheries has declined steadily. And for example, uh, in 2008, uh, probably the latest year statistic is available, uh, we had about 79.5 million tons of uh, fishery capture. Uh, so we see uh, uh, decline of uh, uh, marine capture fisheries around the world uh, over past decade or so. If I also explain another statistic about state of fish stocks, in middle of 1970s, uh, underexploited or moderately exploited stocks were about 40% of uh, fish stocks. On the other hand, the overexploited or depleted or recovering stocks were about 10%. About 50% of fish stocks were more or less fully exploited. However, in 2008, underexploited or moderately exploited stocks reduced to 15% from 40% in middle of 1970s to 15%. Overexploited, depleted or recovering from depletion stocks were about 32%. So in middle of 1970s, it was 10%. So it went up to almost three times uh, as the level of uh, middle of 1970s. Fully exploited stocks were more or less same, about 53%. So this is very simple statistic, but it shows uh, the global uh, fish stocks have been uh, steadily in decline since 1990s. Then obviously the question arises, uh, what is the reason, uh, what is the cause for this decline? Of course, there are many uh, economic uh, uh, other causes for uh, such decline, but today I like to focus on legal aspect of uh, this state of fisheries around the world. Uh, now, let me move to uh, next 
uh, item. That is how international legal regime of fishery has evolved over past uh, several decades. I'd like to divide uh, this time horizon into three phases. The first one, uh, up to the middle of 1970s, I would say this period is uh, pre-UN Convention on the Law of Sea period, pre-UNCLOS period. And then from middle of 1970 to late 1980s, uh, this is a, a time period where UN Conference on the Law of Sea took place. Uh, so I would say uh, this is the period of unclosed, unclosed period. Then uh, uh, latest period is uh, a period uh, after early 1990s. Uh, that is uh, post-unclosed period. So let me just briefly uh, uh, talk about the international legal regime of fishery of those three periods. The first uh, pre-unclosed period. In this period, uh, international fishery regime was basically, uh, I would say, open access regime. State exercise exclusive control over fishery in their very narrow territorial sea, normally up to about three miles. And beyond this three mile territorial sea was high sea. And in the high sea, uh, there was freedom of fishing. Freedom of fishing has two pillars. One is it is open to everyone. It is open access regime. And the second, there is principle called exclusive flag state jurisdiction. Since high sea is an uh, area beyond exclusive control of any state, only in high sea, only flag state can exercise control over uh, fishing boats. So this exclusivity of uh, flag state jurisdiction is another very important principle of uh, high sea regime, high sea fishing. So, uh, before middle of 1970s, it was uh, open access regime, very narrow uh, area for coastal state control. Beyond this narrow area, there was freedom of high sea uh, with uh, exclusive flag state jurisdiction and open access. This international uh, fishery regime has uh, fundamentally changed with third UN conference on the law of sea. Uh, so since the middle of 1970s, entirely new international legal regime of fishery was introduced. That is coastal state, exclusive coastal state control over fishery with the introduction of 200 mile exclusive economic zone. Now coastal state exercise exclusive control over most of fisheries in their exclusive economic zone, which is normally up to 200 miles from the coast. Of course, uh, beyond exclusive economic zone, we still have a high sea, but uh, uh, high sea has been substantially reduced. In high sea, of course, uh, there is a freedom of high sea, uh, open access, and uh, exclusive uh, flex state jurisdiction. But as you see, if you compare to pre-UNCLOS uh, period, this uh, new fishery regime is completely different from the previous one. 
so I would say it has evolved from open access system to exclusive coastal state control system. Then the last stage of in this evolution is a period since uh, early 1990s. I would say this period is a period where international fishery regime is in transition. Now, uh, basic framework of international fishery regime is still, of course, uh, uncrossed regime. But this uncrossed regime turned out to be uh, not completely adequate in coping with international fishery problems. Uh, so there has been a lot of developments to complement, supplement, uh, UNCLOS regime, and there, is, there has been a lot of development to introduce uh, new uh, fishery management principles and so on. So briefly speaking, this has been uh, uh, how international legal regime of fishery has evolved. Uh, once again, uh, uh, before middle of 1970s, it was uh, basically open access regime. Uh, with high sea freedom, very limited uh, coastal state control, but there has been fundamental change uh, in the middle of uh, 1970s. Now, uh, uh, with the exclusive economic zone, coastal state exercise exclusive control over fishery uh, in huge area. Uh, exclusive economic zone uh, is uh, covers uh, almost. Uh, one-third of world ocean, and also uh, almost 90% of commercially exploitable fish stocks uh, can be found in, in the exclusive economic zone. So under current uh, international legal regime of fishery, coastal states control uh, most fish stocks. Uh, however, uh, as I said, uh, still there is a reduced area of high sea and uh, in the high sea, uh, high sea freedom, uh, especially freedom of fishing, continues to be applied. Uh, uh, and that is the, uh, how this international legal regime of fishery has evolved. Uh, now, let me uh, 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 deal with the first uh, international fishery regime of exclusive economic zone in detail and then uh, international fishery regime of high sea later. Uh, as I said, fishery regime of EEZ is now uh, the most important part of international uh, fishery regime. Uh, in the exclusive economic zone, coastal state has so-called sovereign rights for exploiting and exploring and conserving and managing uh, living resources there, especially fishery resources. Uh, so coastal state has exclusive right over fishery resources in their EEZ, which is normally extended up to 200 miles, 200 nautical miles from the coast. However, this coastal state's uh, exclusive right over fishing resources is accompanied by the duty of conservation and management. 
So in that sense, uh, the term exclusive economic zone is a little bit uh, misleading because coastal states has not only exclusive rights, uh, but also a uh, duty to conserve and manage living resources in their EEZ. Uh, now, let me briefly explain about uh, this coastal state's uh, duty of conservation and management. Uh, this duty of conservation and management are provided for in Article 61 and 62 of United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. Uh, those articles are uh, quite technical, so I don't have time to dwell on details of those articles, uh, but let me just highlight key features of those articles. In Article 61, coastal state has a duty to conserve living resources within their AEZ. The most importantly, coastal state must ensure that their living resources in the EEZ are not to be overexploited. How to prevent overexploitation? Here, there is a concept called maximum sustainable yield, MSY. Coastal state has duty to maintain or restore fish stocks in their EEZ at the level which produce maximum sustainable yield over time. Of course, uh, this maximum sustainable yield, uh, this level which produce maximum sustainable yield, are to be qualified by other uh, factors such as environmental factor or economic factors, but maximum sustainable yield is a basic concept for conservation of fishing resources in the EEZ. Uh, based on maximum sustainable yield, MSY, coastal state uh, must determine so-called allowable catch or total allowable catch for each fish stocks. Coastal state must not catch more than total allowable catch for each fish stocks. This is a basic uh, uh, framework of conservation uh, under Article 61 of the United Nations Convention. In Article 62, there is a uh, 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 coastal state has obligation of management. Once again, let me just briefly explain how this uh, duty of uh, management uh, works out. Uh, the objective of management is to ensure maximum utilization of fishery resources in the EEZ. How to ensure maximum utilization? As I said, coastal state first must determine total allowable catch or TAC, TAC for each stocks. Then coastal state also determine its own capacity to harvest. Some coastal states have huge capacity, but other coastal states may have rather limited capacity to harvest. Then if coastal states 
capacity to harvest harvest falls short of total allowable catch, then there will be so-called surplus catch. And this surplus catch should be allowed for other states to have access. So total allowable catch and capacity to harvest uh, if uh, capacity to harvest does not uh, 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 meet this total allowable catch, then there will be surplus catch. And uh, coastal states must give other states an access to surplus catch. In this way, coastal states' living resource can be uh, optimally utilized. So this is the framework of uh, management under Article 62 of uh, UN Convention on the Law of Sea. Now, of course, uh, when uh, coastal states give an access to other states for surplus catch, uh, coastal states can uh, take account of many factors uh, such as uh, 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 for example, geographically disadvantaged states uh, or uh, landlocked states that should be given some uh, priority. And also, coastal states uh, take account of need uh, for developing states in the region or sub-region and their need to uh, develop or their need to minimize economic dislocation uh, and so on. So there are many factors coastal states uh, should take into account in uh, allocating surplus catch to uh, other states. So this is the management regime of uh, uh, Article 62. So Article 61 and Article 62 are principal articles for conservation and management of fishery resources in the EEZ. There are other articles uh, uh, relevant to EEZ fishery. For example, uh, some special species uh, such as uh, uh, such as uh, straddling stocks, uh, marine mammal, uh, anadromous stocks, uh, catadromous stocks. They are exception to EEZ fishery regimes. Uh, now. Uh, the original idea of uh, placing uh, these resources in the EEZ under exclusive authority of coastal state was by placing these resources under exclusive control of coastal states, many people expected, hoped, that uh, we can reduce the so-called problem of uh, over fishing, over-exploitation, we can prevent the problem of so-called tragedy of common affiliate, affiliated with uh, so-called open access regime. We, we know that uh, open access regime often leads to this phenomenon called tragedy of commons. So uh, uh, when we had uh, open access regime for fisheries in the high sea, uh, there have been certainly the problem of overfishing, uh, overexploitation, and now 
with the introduction of EEZ uh, and uh, by placing these resources under uh, exclusive control of one coastal state, uh, we hope to uh, solve the problem of tragedy of common and we can reduce the problem of overfishing and so on. However, in reality, uh, this has not happened. In fact, uh, 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 marine biologists, fish scientists uh, ha have uh, studied the state of fish stocks in the EEZ, and there has been no improvement of uh, fish stocks. Uh, as I said in the beginning, there has been general decline of fish stocks around the world within the EEZ and in the high sea. So uh, obviously this EEZ regime introduced by UN Convention on the Law of Sea turned out to be uh, not quite adequate in dealing with especially this conservation problem of uh, fishery resources. So there has been uh, lot of criticism against uh, EEZ uh, conservation and management regime. Uh, let me point out a uh, uh, few uh, uh, of those criticisms. For example, uh, the wording of uh, Article 61, 62 are rather vague, and then there is, uh, there, there is a lack of specific uh, an unqualified obligation. Uh, for example, uh, uh, this MSY is qualified by environmental or economic factors. Uh, but uh, if you look at the wording of uh, that part of the provision, it's, it's, n it's rather vague. Uh, so we don't know what is a specific obligation uh, on the part of coastal states. Uh, another uh, criticism against uh, is that uh, fishery regime is uh, coastal state has too broad discretion uh, uh, with respect to conservation and management. Especially coastal state has discretion concerning determination of uh, TAC, TAC, and also capacity to harvest and allocation of surpluses and so on. Uh, and also, uh, I can point out that uh, uh, dispute settlement, especially compulsory dispute settlement procedure of the UN Convention on the Law of Sea, is mostly inapplicable to matters related to EEZ fisheries. Uh, so even if uh, coastal states fail to comply with the provision of the convention, there is no uh, effective uh, remedy, uh, there is no effective legal recourse to uh, rectify such failure. One more thing I'd like to add with respect to conservation and management regime uh, of EEZ is uh, UN Convention on the Law of Sea was adopted in 1982, well before, uh, for example, uh, United Nations Conference on Environment and Development, which introduced a precautionary approach and many other uh, ecologically uh, managed approach uh, to resources and so on. Uh, so uh, uh, 
many principles and approach adopted in the convention uh, does not fully, did not fully reflect the uh, uh, ecological awareness of international community. Uh, in that sense, uh, uh, this convention, UN Convention on the Law of Sea, needs a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, supplement needs to be supplemented by introducing more new approach to uh, international uh, environmental problem, ecological problem, and, and so on. Um, so, uh, if, if I may summarize what I said, uh, the assumption of uh, is a regime that uh, exclusive uh, coastal state authority of living resources in the EEZ would solve the problem of overfishing, solve the problem of a tragedy of common, uh, proved to be rather uh, flawed. Uh, and also, uh, uh, in fact, control over entry into domestic, competitive entry into domestic fishery uh, has failed. In fact, in many uh, uh, regions around the world, uh, uh, as I said, there has been substantial decline of fish stocks uh, in the EEZ. Uh, also, uh, uh, low sea regime for uh, coastal state conservation and management is not uh, very clear, is rather vague, uh, too flexible, and uh, sometimes uh, virtually unenforceable because of lack of uh, effective dispute settlement mechanism. So obviously this Egypt, Egypt fishery regime needs to be strengthened. Uh, we need to incorporate uh, uh, post-unclosed developments uh, into uh, such as, uh, such as uh, precautionary approach, uh, uh, ecosystem managed approach into uh, law of sea framework for EEZ fisheries. Now, uh, let me move to fisheries regime of the high sea. Uh, in the high sea, uh, traditional uh, regime of freedom of fishing uh, continues to be applied. Uh, if you look at uh, uh, Article 87, uh, freedom of high sea includes uh, freedom of fishing. Uh, of course, there are some uh, obligations of conservation and management. Uh, states have duty to take conservation measures for their nationals on the high sea. Also, uh, states have duty to uh, cooperate in uh, conservation and management and to establish as appropriate uh, regional fisheries organization to this end. Uh, so this uh, framework of uh, fishery regime on the high sea uh, is the same as uh, previous regime. In other words, uh, open access regime uh, and uh, emphasis on international cooperation. Uh, of course, uh, duty of conservation and management. But once again, uh, basically flag state jurisdiction, exclusive flag state jurisdiction uh, is applied. Therefore, only flag state can exercise uh, jurisdiction over its ship. 
the idea behind uh, this fishery regime of the high sea is uh, now that the most important part of the ocean uh, is, was removed uh, from the regime of high sea and placed under new regime of exclusive economic zone, uh, many people expected that uh, this high sea regime with the open access system uh, as it is uh, would uh, be enough for dealing with uh, high sea fisheries, especially conservation and management. However, uh, uh, the reality uh, after this uh, United Nations Con Con Convention on the Law of Sea was uh, in the high sea uh, the problem of overexploitation continued. And in fact, uh, this high sea fishery has become a very serious problem for many countries, especially with respect to uh, certain species, species such as uh, straddling stalks and highly migratory uh, species. Uh, straddling stalks are stalks that uh, migrate between uh, exclusive economic zone of coastal state and uh, high sea. Uh, the problem with uh, straddling stock is uh, coastal state's conservation uh, effort can be very easily undermined by uh, excessive fishing on the part of the high sea. Uh, it has uh, created uh, th th this problem uh, uh, in fact, uh, occurred in many parts of the world, uh, such as uh, uh, eastern coast of Canada uh, and uh, central Bering Sea and, and so on. Uh, moreover, uh, problem, uh, another problem uh, with respect to high sea fishery was, uh, as I said, uh, this convention was adopted in 1982 well before this global awareness of importance of uh, ecosystem and so on. Uh, this convention uh, provisions on the high sea uh, fishing was not enough to deal with uh, this uh, new awareness of importance of uh, ecological system. So this high sea, high sea fishery uh, has become very acute problem. In fact, uh, EZ fishery uh, was now left with the coastal state. And uh, since early 1990s, uh, high sea fishery has become major fishery problems, uh, major international fishery problems. Uh, so uh, international community uh, tried to deal with uh, those challenges facing high sea fisheries, uh, such as uh, problem of overexploitation, uh, serious decline in fishing stocks, uh, uh, need to introduce uh, uh, a precautionary approach or uh, needs to protect the biodiversity uh, and also, uh, once again, a very important problem, of very, very difficult problem of IUU fishing, illegal, unregulated, unreported uh, fishing problem and so on. International community uh, in fact, responded to these problems uh, by adopting uh, several important international instruments, uh, such as agreement to promote compli compliance with international conservation and management measure by fishing vessels on the high sea. 
It is often called as compliance agreement, agreement which was adopted in 1993. And also, uh, uh, there are many code of conducts, uh, especially four major code of conducts uh, adopted by uh, food and agriculture organizations. Another very important development, legal development, with, with respect to high sea fishery is uh, adoption of agreement for the implementation of the provisions of UNCLOS relating to conservation and management of straddling fish stocks and highly migratory fish stocks. This is often uh, referred to as the UN Fish Stocks Agreement. This agreement was uh, adopted in 1995. The latest uh, development uh, uh, with respect to high sea fishery is adoption of agreement on port state measure to prevent, deter, and eliminate IUU fishing. This is called as a Port State Measure Agreement, adopted in 2009. Uh, obviously, uh, I have no time to dwell on the uh, details of this agreement, but let me just uh, introduce briefly uh, two important international instruments, Compliance Agreement and UN Fish Stock Agreement. Compliance Agreement is first uh, international instrument to develop principles of flag state responsibility on a global scale. In fact, uh, flag state jurisdiction, exclusive flag state jurisdiction is uh, one big obstacle to uh, international conservation and management of fishery stocks on the high sea because there are at least some flag states which uh, fail to apply these conservation measures or management measures to their own ships. Uh, in fact, uh, there has been serious problem of uh, so-called the reflagging of ships. Uh, some countries uh, register, register their vessel in a country where uh, this uh, fishing uh, uh, regulation country which failed to adopt all these uh, conservation measures. Uh, this is a, a phenomenon called reflagging of uh, vessel. Obviously, by reflagging their vessel to some somewhere else, uh, those countries try to avoid, evade these conservation conservation obligations. So, in fact. Uh, uh, a compliance agreement was adopted to deal with uh, this kind of problem, problem of uh, reflagging uh, flag states uh, that try to evade uh, conservation obligations and so on. Uh, here, uh, uh, compliance agreement uh, uh, defined the responsibility of uh, flag state. Flag state has right, but flag state has also responsibility to uh, to, to conserve and management, manage uh, fish stocks on the high sea. Uh, so uh, compliance agreement is a very important agreement to emphasize uh, responsibility of uh, flag state. Uh, however, the impact of uh, this agreement has been rather limited uh, because of the insufficient participation, especially uh, uh, by 
important high sea fishing state and some practical difficulty in implementing uh, those provisions of the compliance agreement. Another important uh, agreement adopted in post uncos period is the UN Fish Stock Agreement. Of course, uh, 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 the main purpose of this agreement is to ensure long-term conservation and sustainable use of straddling and highly migratory species. Uh, however, uh, this uh, agreement goes beyond simple uh, conservation and utilization of these two species. Uh, uh, this uh, agreement, in fact, introduced a new approach to fisheries uh, management, such as uh, application of precautionary approach uh, and also uh, ecosystem managed approach to fishery resources. Uh, there are many important uh, features uh, provided for in this agreement. Uh, uh, as I just mentioned, uh, it applied a new approach, new principle to uh, fishery resources. It also uh, strengthened, just like uh, compliance agreement, it also strengthened the duties of uh, flex state. Uh, it also strengthened uh, regional fishery organization and arrangement. Uh, it also introduced uh, uh, regional uh, system of uh, enforcement. Uh, in fact, uh, this uh, agreement allowed regional fishery organization or regional fishery management organization, RFMOs, uh, to take a more active role in conserving and managing fishery resources on the high sea. It also introduced some uh, measures uh, uh, such as port state measures. It emphasized on the collection and sharing of data and scientific information. Uh, UN Fish Stock Agreement also introduced uh, uh, a settlement of uh, dispute, a uh, system for dispute settlement. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, there has been a lot of discussion about the relationship between Law of Sea Convention and UN Fish Stock Agreement, but I think UN Fish Stock Agreement promotes Law of Sea Convention in uh, some aspects, in some respects, uh, such as uh, uh, basically this UN Fish Stock Agreement uh, facilitate uh, implementation of uh, relevant provision of UN Convention on the Law of Sea, but it goes uh, beyond simply facilitating implementation of, uh, the, of the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. It, in fact, uh, strengthens uh, rules or framework set out in the Law of the, Law of the Sea Convention. It further develops uh, some rules and principles of Law of Sea Convention, and it also introduces uh, some new concepts and principles uh, that supplement uh, Law of the Sea Convention, which was adopted uh, uh, long before uh, uh, this global awareness of importance of uh, environment and ecosystem. However, uh, uh, just like the compliance ag agreement, uh, the impact of uh, UN Fish Stock Agreement has been also rather limited uh, due to insufficient participation. Uh, as of, for example, uh, July 
2011, only about 78 states are parties to this agreement, which is a little bit disappointing. And also the way it has been implemented, uh, especially uh, failure to upgrade and improve regional fishery management organizations. Uh, regional fishery management organizations uh, functioning or mandate uh, was uh, another, uh, another limitation of this agreement. Uh, now, I'd like to conclude uh, my lecture with some uh, uh, thoughts. Uh, obviously, uh, when UN Convention on the Law of Sea was adopted, uh, it was hoped that the new international fishery regime, especially new international fishery regime of the exclusive economic zone, would improve uh, fishery conservation and management to great extent. But result, at least so far we have had, is a little bit disappointing. In fact, uh, the world uh, global uh, uh, state of current state of uh, global fishery, fishery resources uh, is not very positive. In fact, uh, uh, fish stocks uh, are in uh, decline uh, across the world, around the world. Uh, this can be said both within exclusive economic zone and beyond the exclusive economic zone on the high sea. So obviously uh, we have to uh, recognize uh, needs to strengthen uh, and supplement uh, the provision of uh, law of sea convention for both EEZ and high seas. Uh, freedom of high sea, especially freedom of fishing is of course uh, uh, traditional freedom, very important freedom enjoyed by all states. However, this freedom of uh, high sea fishing needs to be qualified uh, for conservation and management of living resources on the high sea. Another thing I like to emphasize is, especially with respect to high sea fishing, uh, since high sea is an uh, area beyond exclusive uh, jurisdiction of uh, exclusive national jurisdiction. The only way to conserve and manage living resources on the high sea is through international cooperation. In this regard, uh, international uh, regional fishery management organization play very important role. Uh, however, thus far, uh, the role played by regional fishery management organization has not been very encouraging. So obviously, uh, we need to broaden the mandate of a regional fishery management organization and strengthen their roles and functions. Uh, finally, we need to enhance effectiveness of major international instrument, especially adopted after uh, UN Convention on the Law of Sea uh, by encouraging widespread participation. In this regard, I already mentioned compliance agree agreement and uh, uh, UN Fish Stock Agreement, and also 
uh, policy measure agreement, which was adopted very recently, two years ago. And uh, this important international agreement needs to be uh, adopted by uh, uh, as many states as we can expect. Uh, this is uh, uh, my uh, final thoughts about the international legal regime of fisheries. Thank you very much.